Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ladies of Gumption. This is episode 118, Project New America. I'm Jessica, and I'm here with... May. And Tatiana. We are the Ladies of Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. You can contact us on Twitter and follow along with our live tweets at DCTV Gumption. You can send us your feedback about the episodes um, or the podcast via email, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. You can also send us ask on Tumblr, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. You can listen to past episodes on the Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, um, or the Ladies with Gumption Podomatic site. Or you can be a Patreon member and get a little extra. We'd like to thank all of our Patreons for continuing to support us. Um, you know, help us helps us keep the podcast running and then we also get stuff like microphones we have better audio <laughs> um so hopefully the audio sounds more even now so we have like new mics and stuff like that so that's kind of what your support does it helps us with the storage fees and um improve sound quality and things like that um if you do offer to subscribe to our patreon account you get the episodes free uh, 24 hours in advance, so you get them early, and then you also get new content over hiatuses where there's nothing going on, and uh, so for example, this hiatus, um, I think Shang asked as he sent us an ask on Tumblr, and I'll, I'll post this on Tumblr as well, some of the things that we're thinking about for this upcoming hiatus could be, um, obviously, like once the Legends finishes next week, we'll have to update the Love Boat, um, other uh, episodes, or sorry, other shows, for example, the Umbrella Academy has their season two starting next month, so it might be a good idea to do an Umbrella Academy episode. We can do Avatar, since that has just come out on Netflix, and everyone's kind of talking about it again. I've seen it for the first time, so I've had tons of I I cannot believe that it. was the first time. But it, it was the first time. An Avatar episode. Yeah, Avatar. Um other kind of fandoms, if you have an option, uh, so, and what I want to say, a recommendation, like a, like a show rec that you want us to watch and review. We also have Harley Quinn season two will be ending soon, so we could do um, an update on that episode. We could do, um, we can argue about Motherland, Fort Salem. <laughs> um, and also, I think since Candace's birthday is coming up in June, we were thinking about doing like a, a topical podcast, like the I seen with BCTV Black Women that, uh, was a hashtag trend that was done a little while ago. So we have a couple of different ideas. Um, so if you're interested in any of those topics or you have a topic of your own that you would like to suggest, then please, you know, send us an ask on Tumblr or an email, um, subscribe to Patreon so you can get all of that content. Um, in the news, it was a light news week in terms of actual DC TV releases and, and news of that sort. But there was a lot of, uh, well, actually, I'll take that back. We did get a little bit more um, unraveling in the Ruby Rose versus CW drama. There was another article that was kind of, well, actually, yeah, there's an article that came out about it, you know, more kind of detailed. But also Ruby Rose herself posted about it for the first time. She spoke out about uh, her side of the story. She didn't really say much. She posted like a, a fan compilation who know video. Me. Yes, but she did say that those who know know. So take 
that <laughs> whatever kind yeah, of and also involved. something about her silence like she stayed silent up till now for right. now she saying yeah. she stayed silent for a reason and you know those who know will know um also i think um last week she had posted um a production that she was doing like the 12th night like a, a actors reading a script and that she was paying um, who plays Mary on the show. And so it was kind of like, you know, see, we're still, we're friends. I have friends on the set. I'm not, you know. So oh, that I've got plus, a total outcast. <laughs> <laughs> that plus this post is kind of like a little bit, you know, there is something, you know, murky in the water um, that is yeah. not being said yeah. yet. Yeah. Which I just got to, like they said, the studio said it wasn't anything to do with her injury on set or whatever. Which, I mean, that may not have been, like, the only thing, but I feel like if I had an injury on set where I almost got paralyzed, I would probably <laughs> be a little bit more difficult on set about who's working on the set and who's, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it just contributes what kind of like the I overall do. unhappiness over time, because it was, like, very right. early on that it happened. Yeah. So... For now, we're be saying those who know know, but uh, hopefully, sometime down the road, those who don't know will also be we'll able also to know. know. <laughs> and I get a tell-all book for all the Arrowverse, please. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, we've been talking uh, in the podcast, you know, over the past couple weeks too, about um, things going on in the news in the United States, especially regarding um, Black people being murdered by either police or uh, white vigilantes emboldened by a racist president. And especially, I think, from last, was last week or the week before, when the ladies of DCTV, DCTV the black women of DCTV, um, put up that PSA for Ahmaud Aubrey. Um, right. You know, I don't know if that helps or if that kind of pushed it or if George Floyd's death uh, this week is what the straw that broke the camel's back, but I feel like a lot of the white DCTV uh, actors and actresses really pushed their activism into gear. We talked about um, Grant, you know, he found his new activist voice and has been using it. Um, you have Melissa and Chris Wood, you know, calling the Minneapolis government, whatever, to voice a complaint, signing petitions, you know, Chris dragging Danielle Panabaker for trying to become the master home chef and <laughs> slash Instagram influencer. Yep, and now she's, now she's made her own little arc post. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, off. I guess she realized that, you know, two Instagram stories that disappear over the course of 24 hours was not enough to change the perception that stuff like this didn't matter to her, so she, you know, just posted a picture with no kind of like caption. So that was her activism for the day. She's like, that's enough activism for the day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like turning off the comments also says a lot. Well, it yeah. says that she knows what, you know, will be in those comments. And so that's why she turned them off. Um, but we do have a lot of, I did see like a lot of others. And it's like one of those things where you notice who is doing what, who's not doing what now. Um, of course, like a lot of the Supergirl, Supergirl has the best cast, to be honest. Um, a lot of the Supergirl actors and actresses speaking out repeatedly about these kind of issues. 
um, of course, Team Citizen with uh, Victoria and Kayla speaking up and speaking out often. Um, I feel like that, you know, those are the kind of things that Candace and some of the other ladies are talking about, about, you know, being supportive and using your voice and using your platform. So definitely, I think. Carlos came out of the woodwork today. Yeah. Carlos has finally entered the chat. <laughs> um, he doesn't really use social media a lot, and his Instagram is private, so there's not really, you know, people can't really see a lot of what he's doing, but he did come out on Twitter this morning to kind of, you know, speak something about it. Um, and like I said, I don't know if this is like the... Can you hear my dog? I cannot. I can't. I could I could hear him like drinking water. Who is doing like who's like drinking water or something like this? I dog. heard I heard you say <laughs> drinking wine. I was like shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty. Yeah, but I think like this is kind of I don't. It's something you know the dam has broken in the United States and like a lot of stuff is is going on. So, mm-hmm. um, it's the time to hold people that you think highly of accountable see if they're doing something if they're not doing something and if they're not you know speaking out then you know maybe it's time to reevaluate so right um is there anything else i don't think there's anything else that was in the news about the dc universe yeah not not dc universe but i will uh, say like berlanti shows i saw people talking about um like the Sabrina cast was like quite silent until like one of the cast members, one of the black cast right. members, actually made a post saying like I wish that y'all would speak up. And then and then they were and then chick that plays Sabrina uh, and dude that plays Harvey were like Hey, that's right, this is bad. Don't be racist. So wow. So I'm like, this is really unfortunate that um. You know that they have to be like prompted, I guess, publicly. Yeah. So. And I think it's gonna show. I think this has made it more obvious, obviously. And um, moving forward, like it's gonna be not interesting is like the wrong word, but you know, to see who's gonna keep this up or those who were just posting because they felt pressured, pressured to post. To post, yeah. Yeah. Like, do like there are some people like they care and you know they don't know how to go about it and then they're finally voicing what maybe they felt I don't know uh, before and if now it's you know one, making one post every six years is not the same um, so we shall see right. and for all of us too you know um, you can get on Twitter and like retweet some stuff but you want to follow through on what we're preaching too you know. Find, yeah, like find the right people to support. Make sure you're mm-hmm. doing your research so you're not just, like, believing every amount of evidence. Like, I saw there was, like, the Missouri Updates Twitter, and it was like, oh, he hasn't been arrested. He was just – he's just being held in protective custody. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, actually, here's a press conference where he's being arrested. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, there was even, like, a Black Lives Matter San Diego or people faking I going that, to that. Exactly. Faking, and yeah, it was yeah. actually like white supremacists who were yes, definitely you know, saying that they were going. So. Very, very careful about if you're planning on taking part in activism, um, going out and protesting, um, please be careful with where, you know, the information is coming from because I can definitely, could definitely see like a lot of people 
uh, white supremacist groups using that tending to be, you know, uh, part of the Black Lives Matter movement only to kind of ambush people that are meaning good and doing and doing the right thing. Um, and then also, if you are going out and protesting, one, be like, please, like, cover your face. Like, also yeah. remember, it's still a pandemic, so still that health issue, but also... Plus identity. You don't from, yeah, from an identity mm-hmm. standpoint, please make sure that you are safe um, mm-hmm. and that your identity is safe. So that is the Ladies Assumption PSA for the week. Um, <laughs> going, moving into lighter news... Um, the show this week, we only have two shows. We have Stargirl and we have Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk about our likes, dislikes, and ladies' function of the week. This week, Tatiana is going to be our host. We only have one side, and the side titles are The Man the slash Repress. Repress the Man. Yes, the Repress song. But before we get to the press song, first, we must get to STRIPE, S-T-R-I-P-E, the greatest acronym of our time, in Stargirl's second episode. After Courtney has an unexpected run-in with a clearly retired member of the Injustice Society of America, Kat reveals reveals truth to her about their history and reiterates how Starman is definitely not her father. Meanwhile, Barbara is elated when she sees Courtney making an attempt to get along with Pat, even if it looks like they've both been beating each other up on the DL. And things take a dangerous turn at Blue Valley High's cult recruitment night when Courtney becomes the target of brainwaves. Brainwaves. Greg Beeman directed the episode written by Jeff John. Let's start joy, ladies. If you can remember anything about the episode at all. Or perhaps brainwaves will <laughs> out for you. Yeah, uh, I will make the attempt. Um, I, because I, I honestly couldn't remember what happened in the episode. I had to look up some stuff. In my defense, I saw it like a couple weeks ago, so it's been a little while. Wow. Um, <laughs> you didn't feel the need to see it again, correct? <laughs> exactly. Actually, well, it's hilarious. This is like. Sonia just told me. I was like, well, "Do you remember what happened in Stargirl?" And she's like, "Yeah, this this is like wow. This is just a sad day <laughs> in my life." Um, but I did enjoy like the whole uh, high school parent teacher night or whatever that was with Brainwave, um, sort of yeah, going against uh, going up against um, Stargirl. I thought was kind of really intense and really really creepy because it really showed how strong he was. And I mean, we've seen you know bits and pieces of his powers in the pilot episode, but, like, this one really elevated him as uh, a worthy-ish villain uh, moving forward. Um, I also really like the fact that we we had Pat and, you know, building his little striper, bringing it back online in order to assist uh, Courtney in her fight against Brainwave at the end. Um, and it was really cool to finally get a sense of what the Injustice Society sort of been up to because I know we kind of complained last week about how you know this villain group was sitting and chilling for like 10 years doing nothing like where where have you been what have you been up to so it's interesting to now see like how this is coming together and what they've been up to and um kind of getting the band back um because they sense that there's something going on so if, it also makes it seem like you know they only really exist because 
the Justice Society existed. Um, so that's always like an interesting topic to kind of like that whole if Batman exists, you know, are the villains here because of him and vice versa. Um, what else? I enjoyed the bits of high school that we saw with Courtney, like her getting to um, sew her costume in her sewing class, which is great that they still have those. <laughs> um, and just a little bits of what will hopefully become her, you know, best friend group. Like, um, what is her name? Beth. Is it Beth, really the one video yes, calling? Beth, yeah. Yes, that was so cute. I love that. Um, so, like, those little bits and pieces and, and getting to see, like, her mom at her job or, like, what is really going on there and how everything's just not right. So, set the mood for future episodes. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you want to add to that, Jessica? Uh, yeah. For me, like, the best thing about this episode was the song choice at the end when Icicle returns. I'm the man by the killers. Um, I thought that was, I liked that song. Um, went out and downloaded <laughs> it. So thanks for that, Stargirl. <laughs> um, I, I have big hopes for him coming in, um, in future episodes. I did like the Easter egg of what I assume, I assume it's Jade and not Artemis, um, at the open house. Cause I feel like, if it was Artemis, there would be, like, her older sister there. Um, so I, I think it was Jade, um, the the girl with, like, she's, like, a volleyball prodigy or whatever, and, like, her parents are bragging about her in the open house thing. So that was clearly, like, a little, like a little Easter egg there. Um, I liked Pat putting his foot down and putting, like, Courtney and her mom's safety first. I felt like he was very dad in this episode. Um, and it showed a lot, like he wants to prove himself, not only, um, because he is a surviving member of the Justice Society of America, but also, like, he feels like he needs to prove himself to Courtney a little bit, just because Courtney has put this man that she assumes is her father up on such this, like, high pedestal, um, and she's gonna start, like, doing, like, reckless things, and so if he, you know, he has to avenge not only his um, former teammates, but also make sure to keep his family safe. And, you know, so he's he was very dad in this episode um, and just like showing that he's like a really good guy. Um, I also, I think, enjoyed the high school moments. Um, Courtney ripping up Starman's costume to make her own and destroying sewing machines in the process. It's kind of funny. Um, and then I think, like, finally, where the show really, or the episodes so far really got interesting are the actual fight sequences. So, you know, again, at the end of this episode, we had a showdown between Pat, Courtney, and Brainwave. You got to see a lot of the special effects and her doing, like, her gymnastics, and I think her outfit looks really good. So she had enough sewing machines back up to like put together a really cute costume so that was good um yeah and well I, it wasn't funny in the show it didn't spark joy from the so show but just <laughs> <laughs> but just like but just like for for myself like i made it funny and so i sparked joy for myself but when um brainwave broke into <laughs> that guy's <laughs> just doing it for themselves 
when Brainwave broke into that guy's house and, like, you know, decided to, like, woke him up and he, like, opened up a safe and pulled out a wand. I'm like, what in the Harry Potter is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that supposed to be? Like, which of the Injustice Society holds, like, a wand? I don't even know Injustice Society people enough to guess who it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, he was, like, <laughs> yeah, he was, like, wet in the Harry Potter, and then Barbara's boss is, like, evil Colonel, Colonel Sanders, and that's how I got my enjoyment of that episode. I mean, my first thought was, like, Zatanna's dad, but that can't be right. Um, there's Matter Master? Is that someone? I don't think that is what they would have a wand. Wizard? There is someone literally called Wizard. And he's part of the society. And his name is Wizard. So that's cool. (laughs) Anyway, I guess it's my turn. Yes. It's a very short like section. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got a hint of what Project New America is, or at least the fact that it exists. And so it tells us that the Justice Society has been up to something, right? It says, like, oh, we came to Blue Valley because it was the perfect place to uh, put out our weird experiment on uh, Stepford Society. At least we know that there's a reason why they are here. And they don't just exist <laughs> to beat up Stargirl when she shows up. Um, I also do like Stripe, like, as in the actual little robot machine that Pat was creating. Um, and Pat doing his best to be a good dad to Courtney, and then him putting his foot down and actually, you know, like, actually parenting and being like, no, you are not going to go meet fucking Brainwave. I am going to go meet Brainwave, and you're going to take your mom and my son out of here if something goes wrong. And I was like, yes, you go, Pat. But, you know, once she was able to, Courtney still went out and helped him. So, you know, showed up for her sidekick, um, and they make a good team. So that was really nice. I love Johnny Cash's One Piece of Time playing when Pat was trying to launch his little fist missile thing um, for the little training montage. That was fun. Lots of good music choices in this episode. As May mentioned, um, Beth video chatting her lunch with her poor parents who really just want her to find a friend. They did hear so. She is so cute. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I felt so bad for her because I was like, why don't her parents love her? It's not her fault. She just needs a friend. They just don't understand. <laughs> I also liked how, um, in that moment, like Courtney comes into frame and she's like, "Oh, Courtney, be please be my daughter's friend." And Henry Senior Brainwave is right there, like with his back to it, so he doesn't see that she's there. Like the girl that he's looking for is in the camp, you know, right. and the dude that she's looking for. If they had continued with that, that would have been fun for like many yeah. episodes. But <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I also really liked, uh, like Barbara and Courtney's dynamic. I think they're very sweet together. It's nice that Courtney does make an effort to understand her mother. She wants her mom to be happy, and she does try to put, like, the whole family's needs, um, not necessarily first, but she tries to take them into consideration instead of just pouting and, like, stomping her foot and whatever, which she could easily do. And, um, Still, it's still cool to see Courtney's staff do things, like the moment when it was like, finally was like, I will fight you, bad guy, and put you in a coma. That was great. Um, love Pat as her sidekick, and I love the pep talk that she gave him, and he was like, no, I can't do it, and she's like, uh, I was chosen by the staff, and then I chose you to be my sidekick, so obviously you can. Oh yeah, can. that was a good moment, I liked that. That was cute, plus the, 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 the acronym, which I already mentioned, I literally can't even remember, it was just like, mm, something, Mm. Subatronic. Subatronic, yeah. All I remember is Pat. Pat Enforcer. Pat Enforcer, yeah. 
patent torture. <laughs> that was, so that was really fun. <laughs> I like that. And also, um, as Jessica mentioned, icicle showing up and man playing, the band playing. Um, yay. Yay, icicle. Be a better villain than Brainwave, I hope. So what did not spark joy? Well, this was, I mean, it's not like that it didn't spark joy. It's just like the episode was, didn't have too much going on in the sense of, I don't know if we're just used to like all the other DC TV shows kind of moving at a faster pace and Stargirl doesn't really move that swiftly um, in terms of plot or even like character stuff because you have Courtney who is this teenager and she just got her powers um, or the staff or whatever, and the show's not really mining any of that. Uh, I've compared this to, like, you know, the villains obviously have, like, we saw one bratty child, so it should be, like, the descendants, but with superheroes. Um, yeah. So, like, why aren't, you know, you have this high school, you have clearly this group of people who's going to be, eventually, I hope, Courtney's BFFs. So, like, why aren't we focusing on that? Like, why aren't we getting her to, you know, talk to them and interact with them so they can, like, form their little team star girl or whatever? Because I think that would be really engaging um, for the audience. Instead, we're kind of just focusing on these, right now, one-dimensional bad guys whom we don't really know what their intentions are or what they're doing. And, you know, they're the injustice society, but, like, who are the Injustice Society? Like, you have to introduce them to viewers without thinking that, like, they already know who they are. Like, this is what any good adaptation should do, and I don't think that Stargirl is really there yet. Um, Because it's just, you know, I don't know if it's just, like, relying on their names as recognition, because, like, I don't, I don't know who Brainwave is, you know, personally, so it would be nice to have a little bit more expansion on that and just like focusing more on Courtney as a person because I don't feel like she gets enough in her own storyline um and yeah I mean like her whole com- her whole conversation not her whole conversation god backtrack her whole dynamic with Pat is great um but also like Pat is constantly like shit on and that yeah. sucks um So I would like to just kind of see more of a balance there and focusing less on, like, the oohs and ahs of these people are going to do bad things. But, like, also I want an experience watching a superhero show where it's just not about her superheroing. I want her to focus on being just a regular teenager and having friends and going to class. And, like, what is that like for her, Um, especially now since we focused so much last episode on her coming to a new town and how much she hated it? What about her hating her high school? And I think that there could be a lot of interesting dynamics there, but I don't think that the show is very interested in doing that right now. Um, so, yeah, just more Courtney, more high school shenanigans. Um, and it just really feels kind of slow, and I don't feel a personal investment like or deep enjoyment watching it. Like, I'm not thrilled to see what's going to happen next. I'm sort of just going, okay. Well, you left it. I didn't want to watch it again, you know, waste like 45 minutes of my time. So, you know, that it could just be better and it could like pick up the pace, basically. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like I don't understand. If Jeff Johns does not get that I don't give a damn about storylines for the adults in the show. Like, I do not care. Like, the show is called Star Girl. 
I want to see a show about Courtney balancing being like a new baby superhero with the struggles of a dreaded teenager high school experience. Like we don't, that's not, that's one of the things that we don't have on any of the DC TV shows right now. We have all of these, you know, you have Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Batwoman, uh, the legends. They're all adults. They became superheroes in their adult years. They have careers that they've been trying, you know, maybe there's some like shenanigans there, but then you don't really have like, a superhero that's also like a teenager and how do you balance teenager and superheroing? That would be fun. That would be engaging. That would, you know, you get like the, a lot of like the, um, friends at high school versus like the, um, sons and daughters of like the villains or whatever that May was talking about. Like I want to see more of that. And like the only scenes that we really got to see of Courtney in school in this episode are a redo of the lunch cafeteria scene that we saw the first episode. So not much really changed or progressed there. She didn't have a place to sit, so she sat at the loser's table the first time. She still doesn't have a place to sit, so she sat at the loser's table the second time. So, like, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, she didn't really talk to Beth because Beth was, like, video chatting with her parents. She didn't really talk to the other girl whose name we don't really know yet because she's not really the chatty type. So there's nothing that's, like, really progressed about any kind of friendship there. Um, and then the other scene was the scene of Courtney destroying like eight company sewing machines just to make her super her outfit. So like, does she not go to class? Like, are there no teachers? You know, what's she doing about the fact that they don't have a gymnastics team? Would she try to start a gymnastics team? You know, like, are there no teachers trying to educate young minds and trying to get them to focus on their upcoming homework assignments? Does they all like rush out of class the minute school bell rings? All this stuff, high school stuff is what would make Sargora like a more interesting show, I think. Like, I do not care about Barbara's awkward first day at work with evil Colonel Sanders. I do not care about Brainwave or any of the other injustice geriatrics trying to be normal and step for citizens in this, like, Blue Valley town. I do not care. Like, at maximum, like, the only adult that I care about is Pat and his, you know, journey to get the people to stop treating him like the gum on the bottom of their shoe and put some respect on his name. And, but even, like, I feel like Pat, even got way more screen time than he actually needed for scenes that didn't really go anywhere in this episode. So, like, for example, one of the other kind of funnier scenes in the episode is where he, like, accidentally joins the gym with, like, Crusher, the douchebag gym owner. And probably, like, now that, um, because I think he was at the open house with um, the girl that I think is Jade. He's right. probably Sportsmaster, very probably Sportsmaster. And while I find it, like, hilarious that Sportsmaster is training the man that will eventually, like, help defeat him, the last time we saw Sportsmaster in the pilot, I feel like he had on, like, his hockey mask, right? So seeing him train Pat and neither of them being aware of the other's identity just, like, doesn't really do anything for me. Um, because if I was a general audience member and I didn't know anything about Sportsmaster or Cheshire, it would not dawn on me that this is a thing that I should be finding hilarious, you know? Um, and I feel like that's the biggest detractor of the show is that it relies on a lot of Easter eggs for a CW audience. That's not going to know what any of these things are, who any of these people are, or like what any of this stuff means. So, you know, when they pulled up the concept for the show for the DC universe, um, I feel like the whole focus was on comic fanboys and, you know, what Easter eggs will have people like, ooh, because I don't think that the DCU, like, audience is a Stargirl audience. And I feel like they should have put Stargirl on a CW where 
there's an audience to begin with and storyboard out the show appropriately for a CW audience instead of a DCU audience. Um, all of the villains have, like, bad, like, annoying-ass kids anyway, so, like, why not focus on them and then only bring out the adults in the background when, like, Courtney actually has to fight them would make a lot more sense. But I feel like, you know, if the only reason it's working on DC Universe is because people there already know the villains and their backstories, it doesn't really translate over to the CW or general audiences who do not know any of that stuff. So all of the focus being on people that general audience does not know doesn't really help build an exciting television show. I agree with for the most part. <laughs> for the most part. We not I mean, I don't disagree with anything. I just, I guess, have maybe additions, maybe. But, yeah, okay. I mean, like, so more specifically, just, you know, Junior, so Junior and Bray Wave, like, and I feel like their scene was exactly the same as it was last time. Yeah. Like, tell me about the girl. And like, even, like, it would be, it would be funnier or, like, more engaging if, like, his dad was, like, tell me about the girl. And then he was, like, maybe I should be, like, figuring out who this girl is. It's, and, like, trying to get revenge and prove, like, redeem his honor to his dad right. or something. It would have been way more. Yeah, exactly. If, if, if Junior was looking for the girl and then, like, you know he can assume it's someone from school, right? Because it was clearly, like, a teenage girl. Then that would be funny. You know, like, a cat and mouse game between Junior and Stargirl slash Corny. But mm-hmm. it's not, like, the fact that, first off, this is, like, a grown-ass man. Like, I don't know how old his dad is. He looks 60, whatever. How old, however old Junior's dad is. It's, like, grown-ass man with, like, this weird obsession with a small child. Yeah. <laughs> <And> her dad's <laughs> one. Really uncomfortable. But also the, the scenes with him and his son are just, like, a, the same. They just go in circles. And he's just, like, a no-one-dimensional character for a bad guy. And also, he's clearly a bad father. So it's just, like, uncomfortable, because it's, like, all I know about Junior is that he's a bully, probably because his dad is evil, and he's not very good at mind-reading. But I still have to, like, <laughs> watch this scene. And all I know about Brainwave is that he's a bad guy and a bad dad, and he really wants that wand. Slash staff, I mean. So I'm like, okay, thank you for this nonsense. On the other hand, when Pat gave that information dump about the Injustice Society of America, which was very useful, I am sure, we all needed it, I was also like, just pull up the wiki page, please. Stop. Stop talking about it. I don't care. I feel like no one's going to remember. Like, unless you already know, you're not going to remember it from that. Exactly. So, it wouldn't, like, aside from, maybe instead of having like, that one minute opening sequence in the first episode, we should have had, like, a more extended, like, this is the Injustice, look at what happened, you know? Just, like, one time, they died. And then everything was fine, because we didn't really need them. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, everything that everything you said about the parents, or, or not just the parents, but, like, the evil, the adults, all the adult focus, all the evil parents, boring and useless, we do not care. We definitely want to be getting to know Courtney and the next generation of heroes and villains. Like, we can assume that they're all right there in that school, right? right. Um, but we're getting... One scene of each. Like, whatever Beth becomes, we get to see Beth, which is really cute. And I guess those other two losers at the loser's table are also going to be someone. But I know nothing about them. I only know one thing about Beth and nothing about the other two. And then, aside from Junior, I guess just Junior and his friends, right? Like, oh yeah, his girlfriend. I remember she exists. But yeah. I don't know these names. I don't have any connections with whatsoever. And we only have, like, 13 episodes for a season, right? It's only 13 episodes in season one. And we're already, we're down two, and I feel like we have made no connections, aside from the connection we had to start with. 
which was Courtney and Pat. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's really weird to me. Even Evil uh, Colonel, Colonel Sanders versus Barbara, like, I feel like if that had been reversed and we saw Evil Colonel Sanders and Icicle first at the end of this episode, and then, like, next episode, like, Barbara, like, goes to work and there's Evil Colonel Sanders, that would have been like, oh, my God, Evil Colonel Sanders is her boss. As opposed to, like, the, <laughs> the <laughs> other Colonel way around. Sanders. <laughs> like, oh, okay, weird boss, I don't care. And then you find out the eventual, and you're like, oh, yeah. it's the boss. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, also... This was just like common sense to me, but Pat told her that my brainwave can read minds. He's a brainwaving person. Like she was aware of his information, and then when she gets to the school and she sees him, um, instead of like hiding, cloaking your mind in the minds of many and also the physical bodies of many, she was like, "Let me go run into this deserted hallway so he can corner me. He can know exactly who I am." Because he sees I'm the only one having these thoughts. And I also think about Starman repeatedly. Exactly. <laughs> and how I want him to be my dad. <laughs> to the man that killed can, him. Or the, exactly. the group that killed him. And then he can threaten me verbally and physically right here because no one is looking because I am unprotected. And I was like, who does this? This was very unwise. Um, and so, especially yeah. since she's always like, I don't understand... I guess that's another thing I don't understand is then we don't know much about Courtney, like her thought process of this person killed my superhero dad. Me, who has no superhero experience, should go and hunt down all of these adults with multiple years of superhero experience. And Pat should sit in a corner somewhere. Like, I don't understand the thought process. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make because sense. Because you'd be like, Pat, train me and not, I'm going to do this with yeah. or without you, Pat. Like, it doesn't make sense. No, but speaking of Pat, he's not too bright either. So he <laughs> brings his whole new family to Blue Valley, where apparently was the last known location of the Industrial Society of America, and also the place where his little friend, our man, and his family died, mysteriously. And he was like, this will be fine. They have definitely <laughs> left here since then. <laughs> Which I know, because I can find them nowhere. Okay, Pat. You didn't even apparently know the identity of your best friend or whether or not he had a daughter. Child, So yeah. I don't think that you can really be trusted to know where the Justice Society is and what location is safe. One other awkward thing that I forgot that was mentioned that I didn't like was Denise or whatever her name was, just, like, super interested in Pat for no apparent reason. Like, that was another thing that was, like, why am I seeing this? I don't care about her. <laughs> <laughs> she was just, like really super in- invested in Pat and getting to know Pat. And then, like, when he went and got, like, Barbara's like, we have to leave. And she's, like, staring a little bit too long at Pat having to leave. And then I realized, like, after the fact that Harry Potter guy, um, when the wife that came down, he's like, shut up, Denise. So that must be, you know, whatever. I guess he's, like, the councilman or whatever. So that must, she must be part of that super, super villain family. But I don't even know if she knows that, if she knows who he is her husband is, or whatever. So, like, Denise trying to hit on Pat just doesn't do anything other than make her look weird. Like, <laughs> Maybe that was just the the random extra actress thing. Like, ah, oh, wow, this is Luke Wilson that I'm in a scene with. How exciting. <laughs> I will flirt with him on screen. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's just, like, things like that. Like, I feel like the show hasn't really come together. Like, the first episode was very strong, comparatively speaking, to the second one. The second one was definitely like a sophomore slump. Um, 
especially because it's like I can forgive like we want to have like an introductory episode where you get to know the world and sort of understand what's going on with those superheroes and the villains or whatever. But then the second episode, you should capitalize on that and then start building the dynamics that you're invested in. Um, and again, the only one they built was the one we already had. So, yay, Pat and Courtney, because <laughs> nothing else is going on. So, um, feedback. Yes. Suara has graced us with his feedback for Stargirl. And he says Stargirl was okay. This might be influenced by my feelings from the email last week, but honestly watching this episode was painful because it was so light and decidedly not subtle about any things they were saying. It was honestly worse than Smallville writing at times. Like it it just I don't want to fault the show entirely for its current lack of representation, as we did get to briefly meet Beth. I love her and her family. And Turkish American composer Pinar Toprak composes for this sh- for the show. But this show so far seems to be going out of its way to say that it is almost solely for white audiences, and I do not like that. I expect it will eventually get better, but I'm frustrated at the moment on things that I did like. I liked Courtney and Pat developing their father father daughter and hero's side bond, but this episode took so long to get there. There wasn't a sense of momentum until the last part, and I found it quite frustrating. I also didn't find Brainwave and the Injustice Society that compelling. Um, I think the ending of the episode keeps me intrigued enough to watch what's next, but the show needs to improve as a whole to keep me in it for the long haul. Looking forward to hear y'all's thoughts. Best, Suara. I think that's basically how we feel, too. Like, if yeah, Icicle does not show the fuck up and show the fuck out, then I just don't want to continue watching the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing is really uh, calling to me yet to make me want to stay on for sure yeah it's like the novelty <laughs> of luke wilson being on my cw show is um already done we're good we're good it lasted an episode and a half maybe so and that's all i got so far but do we have predictions is that i hope brainwave seizure to me and icicle's introduction means that we won't have to see brainwave again for a couple episodes I feel like him finding out Courtney's identity week two kind of, like, kills the suspense of the plot. Like you said, it would have been a lot more interesting if they had done this, like, cat and mouse game over a couple episodes. Um, so the fact that he found out, like, immediately just kind of, like, kills the momentum because not only does he know Courtney, now he knows, like, just her whole family, Barbara, and all those other people. Um, so it will be helpful if... And it's not like a... like It's not also like a kid Alice situation where Alice is a villain and she knows because you know, Brainwave and Courtney are not twins. So there's no, like, reason for him to, like, not kill her immediately once he gets out of the hospital. So I feel like if he does come back, I hope his, the staff, like, fried his brain enough so that he doesn't remember her identity or, you know, he has to, like, lose that advantage somehow for it to still be suspenseful. I agree. And um, to add on to that prediction, I think that him being in a coma is what will jumpstart Junior into his life of villainy, because I feel like maybe he'll either realize yeah. that Courtney is responsible. I don't think he'll realize Courtney, but probably not, yeah, Stargirl. Right, that's Stargirl. Yeah, not, not actually Courtney. Um, and then be like, I must take my vengeance. I will practice my brain powers and whatever. So, so yeah, that's all. Yeah, that that would actually be hella interesting. Come on, baby villains. Let's go. <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. The one where we're trapped on TV. After Charlie does the thing that goes against her nature when it comes to her sisters, 
Um, she tries to protect the legends by scattering them in different television shows. Of course, in true legend style, some just can't be blissfully ignorant and happy, but instead figure out a way to end up messing with the system. Mona and Gary watch and cheer from their weird prison jobs. Zari 1.0 and 2.0 morph into Zari 1.5 for uncomfortably long makeout sessions with Nate. Constantine becomes Astro's footman to atone for his sins, and Ava Lance give Kirk and Spock a run for their money. Mark Guggenheim directed the episode written by Grain Godfrey and James Egan. What sparked joy? I feel like I it's like paining me to praise an episode that is like directed by Mark Guggenheim, but also <laughs> I, I can, you know, take solace in the fact that he only directed it and didn't write it, so I can still praise the writing and the characters while also taking shots to his directing. But, you know, it, it was like this episode was a great episode and I feel like Legends, especially this season, is ending out this season on really, really strong episodes. I loved, love, love the TV show montages with like the ultimate buds and then like High Castle, like High Castle Abbey or High Castle something. And, yeah, I got uh, Star Trek. Yeah, and Star Trek. Um, I I think that I even like the when in Ultimate Buds when like Nate comes in, he's got like the Chandler thing going on, and he's talking about he had like a audition with like a Robin Hood thing for Arrow, and so I was like, that's dumb. Like, <laughs> so it's like a nice little, um, I guess Arrow mention or whatever. I don't know if that was because Mark Guggenheim was directing, probably was, but you know, it was a nice little, um name drop in there um i thought it was really surprising i was like pleasantly surprised to see mona back this episode at first i thought she was like a script writer um but i guess she's part of like the the new library or whatever taking out any mentions of like rebellion or anything bad um so i liked that she and gary were still on the outside i don't know how gary's thread has not been cut (laughs) with him being like the crazy man talking about like the world is fake um, I don't know why they didn't cut his thread, but um, I liked that they were kind of like are on the outside and we kind of got to see the new world through them. Um, I also liked the fact I thought it was a good way to push the momentum in the story that Zari 2.0 is kind of overtaken by Zari 1.0. Um, since this Zari is not a part of the reality, she has all of her memories, and so she's the one that's kind of driving the force of getting the legends um, back together and getting their memories back. So I really liked um, that part and how they used her to push the stories for- forward. Um, I loved – I'm trying to think about which one was my favorite show, and it has to either be between High Castle Abbey and Star Trek. High Castle Abbey was just particularly funny because Constantine put on his, like, best Barrow impression, and it was, like, amazing. Um, and then also you got, like, a little um, flirtation between Behrad and Astra, and he's like, you're a diva. And she's like, what is a diva? And he's like, a diva is a female <laughs> version of a hustler. And he said it so seriously, and it was such, like, it was the best delivery ever, and it was probably, like, my favorite line in the episode. It was amazing. Um, but then also I think that, um, Avalanche, Katie and, um, is her name Jessica? Who plays Ava? Yes. I'm yeah. blanking. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. 
they did a really good job, um, especially like Katie with all of her uh her best Captain Kirk impression. Um like the the energy of that show. Um it was just like really, really funny. And then they all, you know, Mr. Parker's cul de sac is a nice return from earlier in the season. So just these little like vignettes of shows and the different um tone for each of them was really cool. Um I also liked that they like towards the the end of the episode, um there's been this kind of like recurring theme of death and, and being able to accept death. Um, Zari's original story started out because of her family dying and her not being able to accept that and trying to use her spot on the legends to bring her brother back and bring her family back. Um, this season you have Astra who is, was, you know, wrongly kidnapped and taken to hell and spent her whole life being raised in hell instead of having her mother and, and, you know, John's attempt to right that wrong and bring her mother back so Astra can be back and Astra not really, you know, knowing what to do with the thought of maybe, you know, eventually if her mother is brought back, she has to die again. And, and then you have, like, Ava Lance and this whole season, Sarah's been, you know, Ava's biggest hype man about you know, giving, being co-captains for life. And there are a couple times where Sarah has dipped a little bit, you know, whether Katie had to go on Arrow or uh, to shoot for Arrow or she gets blasted by a fate and goes blind. But there's been a lot of moments where Sarah's had to step down and kind of pep talk Ava up, especially like, you know, last episode where she had to, she had the vision and she knew she was going to die. And so she spent the whole episode you know, telling Ava, you're going to be okay, you can do this. Um, and this episode, again, you know, there's that kind of theme about, you know, um, Charlie this time, rather than having her sisters kill her friends, she puts them in this kind of bubble on these different TV shows. And she's like, you know, I gave you guys, like, everything that you said that you wanted. You know, Behrad is back. Maybe Behrad gets to be best buds forever, you know, um, Constantine gets to watch over Astra grow up and have a good life with her mother. And then Ava and, you know, Nick, who showed up like 30 minutes into the episode, because <laughs> he just got to be like a criminal like he always wanted. And um, Ava Lance got to be the co-captains for life, you know. And so all of these things that the legend said that they wanted. And Charlie was just so scared of losing them. She kind of kept them in this bubble. and um the I think there was what was the quote? Life is beautiful and terrible all at the same time. If we're only living part of it, then we're not living at all. So I thought that was like a really um a really sweet line and it's kind of like mm-hmm. building towards something very gonna be probably a very emotional in the finale. So I do like the way that they've been building up the scene throughout the um entire episode. Um I liked that even in the TV world that Zari was able to get all of the legends back together, give them their memories and have like a rising speech. And that affected out in the real world as well, as well, where people were compelled and eventually, you know, at first they went from confusion to actually 
rooting for the legends and seeing like where they're going to hop around the TV world and um, the Zari's final speech to the TV of like forget the mush and like throwing the mush at the TV and all this kind of stuff like kind of like rising the the people for rebellion um, I thought was was really really good so um, I'm excited for. I also like that Constantine and Dehrad were both bothered by Ningzari because same. <laughs> um, but I am looking forward to the season finale next week. Yeah. I mean, to add on to that, I just love the themes of like free will, like breaking free of the fates. This, I love the idea of like free will versus everything being written um, for you. And in this case, you know, with the whole Greek mythology of it all, um, that was really well done. Um, you know what, Manny? Like, one other thing quickly that I forgot. I also like how the opening theme, the intro, was changed for the fates. So it was like this very, um, what do you call it? Like, Soviet kind of intro of, like, mm-hmm. praise the fates or whatever. I thought that was a nice um, change to kind of like go with like the theme of the like it's not just the inner world that's changed but also like the this is reflected in the show itself like the fates mm-hmm. are controlling what we the audience see so that was cool Sorry. yeah for sure no no i completely agree with that and actually that reminded me a lot of like i don't know handmaid's tale like praise be and whatnot so like yeah very much uh its own tv homage there um but just in general like i guess with everything in the world now, especially, it just felt like this whole rise up idea, you know, like breaking free of the systems, watching TV without thinking and kind of like disconnecting from reality. Like all these people were just going about their jobs and doing their lives and, you know, not concerned with anything, not really thinking into anything too much. And then you have like this weird disruption for them in their TV watching. And it's like, oh, my God, there is something out there. Um, So I really love that, you know, this idea that like with Ava, you know, not wanting to leave the TV world because everybody had just gotten really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, And the fact that it, that's easier to be in yeah, than having a great to face. metaphor. Yeah, it really it's is. It's a great like, metaphor to like what's going on like right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like it's easier to be comfortable rather than have to go out into the world and face the reality of things. Um and you know, while that's understandable, it's also like Sarah said, you know, life is beautiful and terrible and you can't ignore some things just to keep living in, in your own little bubble. Um so I thought all of that was really great. And like you said, you know, I didn't even think twice about it, but like the co-captains for life and them actually being co-captains. I think Ava did a great Spock. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the eyebrows, excellent voice. Um, and then all these like TV scenarios where it really fits all of their personalities in a lot of ways. Um, but then like Astra getting to be with her mom and John willingly giving up, you know, leaving TV world in order to serve her and her mom to make up for his sins was a great continuity from like last week's where we saw him pledge to see, you know, or something that he had always wanted to do was like watch Astra go up if he could change something. Um, And I thought that was really beautiful. Uh, Yeah, like just all the themes and the characters and even seeing like as much as I was confused about seeing Zari 1.0, I really did love seeing her come back and bringing everybody together and the, 
you know, bringing back the Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac was fantastic and sort of made me miss Ray a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and them having singing, you know, singing the repressed, the repressed song. song. It was so like, <laughs> because Mr. Repressed. Parker would never, he would never tell you to repress your feelings, children. <laughs> yes. What a perversion yes. of a children's show. It is so disturbing, but also really good. I'm just like, yes, don't, like, conceal, don't feel. (laughs) (laughs) All of that was really great. Um, I, too, was, you know, was with John and and, uh, Behrad about the whole Zari Nate thing. Um, So I I took my crumb about him being like, oh, you know, why is this taking so long? (laughs) But I really love the fact that, like, I think for Charlie, it was really interesting because I know that we've been used to seeing her rebel. You know, she ran off from the fates originally, like, away from her sisters. But in this instance, she had made friends and had connections and wanted to not see them die. So she created this whole world for them to keep them safe um, by having to go against her own nature and her own rebellious nature rather than just, like, face everything head on. So like I I understood why she did she did it, um, and I also thought it was really clever that um, Gary like bringing Gary and Mona back into the storyline. Like I was really surprised to see Mona, and but I'm like, hey, this really fits because she would be someone like who would be on the outside world trying to help as she did in last season. Um, what else? There's just so much so much great things about this episode like I can go on and on but I just love the way they did it I love TV parodies in general and I think it was really clever how they tied everything together while also making great points about everything that's happening within the show and then how it also like it just applies to our own real world it was just excellent I agree it was a great meta episode uh, with a lot to say both on the thesis of the show itself and also how the show can actually relate to us even when it is as fantastical as it always chooses to be. Um, I actually will have to give um, Mark Guggenheim gas some directorial props because I did think that they did a great job um, every time they moved from show to show of making it seem like that show, like multicams on the Friends set or, um, you know, High Castle Abbey definitely looked like <laughs> like it was filmed in Downton Abbey. Um, and this is more writing-wise, but the way that they set up the Star Trek episode was just, you know, per- a perfect parody of Star Trek itself. So I thought they did that, that they all work together uh, really well to give us realistically hilarious homages of each of those shows. And I also liked how they thematically connected to the characters that were in the shows. Like, of course, you have um, Nate and Bayrod, where else could they go but Ultimate Bun? Um, but not just the two of them, also the fact that they all three get to be together, like with Zari, right? Because there's like some whatever, like, oh, no, Zari 1.0 um, means that there can't be Bayrod for some reason. And Zari 2.0 means she can't be with Nate for other reasons. But now in this weird, you know... <laughs> yeah, better face. Yeah. Um, but in this nonsense television world, they all three get to be together forever. We get to have both of them. Well, really, all three of them. But Nate gets to have both of them. You know. So, um, so it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, and then of course you have in the Downton Abbey world, like of course 
John would sacrifice or throw away his magic in order to, like, serve Astra and her mom for the rest of his life to atone for his previous mistakes, right? Like, that's just, that is a perfect interpretation of what John would want from Charlie's perspective. Um, and then we have space, space trip, less so, like, yes, LOL makes, gets to do his impersonation of Khan for the rest of his life, but that's mostly from a meta perspective in that, um, of course, like, Kirk and Spock, Sarah and Ava are totally Kirk and Spock, especially Ava. Ava is just Spock. Yeah. Um, so that makes total sense. But thematically speaking, like, yeah, this way the crew could die every episode, but the crew is androids. So, like, they're never going to lose anyone again. So, like, that makes sense. Um, so, yay! Good job with the themes, Charlie slash writers. Um, but, as you both have already previously stated, the important thing is what Sarah then says, which is, like, life is terrible and wonderful, right? You have to take all of it together. And that is what Legends has always done really well. And it was a great sort of, like, message for the season and the show as a whole. Um, I also loved the return to Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. I also missed Ray during it. It was very funny, um, but also emotional. The Everyone remembering the rest of their, you know, their whole lives and having believable and the reactions. that came with that. that yeah. yeah. And that came with, the, with that memory. As well as um, throughout the episode, I loved how Zari was kind of like the focal point, the one that was bringing it all together, because she's already gone through this experience in um, Here I Go Again. So that was like another, I like, I, I like Zari-centric episodes, even though this wasn't really one. It is shows that she, more than anyone, really kind of understands how everything weaves together and how these people, you know, need each other and need their own awareness in order to have each other. Also totally agree with May about... Um, enjoying Mona and Gary in that in in it's actually kind of funny that Gary is the one that's like knows what's wrong with the world because he's usually the last one to know anything and he's just like in his own little world but in this when the world has ended now it's like he's the one that actually can bring other people to awareness um also I absolutely loved when they turned you know they used their television show to incite the people to to rebel right mm-hmm. to incite uh everyone into or, like, awaken all of the viewers, because that is incredibly relevant to us today, um, since we often can hide away in escapism um, instead of facing the reality and actually doing something to change. Mm-hmm. So, so that was great. Also, I loved... Nate was actually really funny since though. Like, when first they were like, like, mush is horrible. Don't stop eating the mush. And he was like, I like mush, but that's not the point. And also... Before- it was, like, a funny combination of, like, Chandler and Joey. It was... It was totally chance. Was he Joey? Because it's like, he's oh, an actor. I said Chandler, like but I meant Joey. Yeah. Kiss I meant Joey about like the actor thing. See, I don't, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what I meant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> more of a kiss myth? That was definitely a Chandler one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I really like Nate this episode. Um, also, shout out to oh, Lina. His, his like impersonation of a ballot on yes. Podcast Lab. <laughs> yes. Ah, I know it's so funny. Anyway, yeah, so all, all of the moments are funny. The episode was great. Legends definitely, you know, is knocking it out of the park, as it always does. So, yay, go team. All right, what did not spark joy? <laughs> I was like, why aren't you talking? I was what like, where did she go? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> 
um, what did not spark joy? That long ass Nate Zari kiss that no one asked for. Like, this is where I feel like, you know, I can ding Guggenheim for directing this because I feel like it's his fault that it lasted as long as it did. Like, they're literally on a children's show, man. Like, I don't need to see that. People don't need to see that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not a fan. I've never been a fan of those two characters and I wasn't a fan of it now. Um, I did think it was, you know, at first I thought it was kind of weird that Charlie apparently wasn't like secretly playing her sisters and because like when she snapped at Gary and, and Mona, I'm like, oh, she was serious, serious about keeping them all there. Um, but I mean, I already explained above, um, in the Sparks Joy section, you know, why, I understand why that she is holding on so tightly to it. Um, I just, I guess I just thought there was, there was going to be like a backup plan to bring the legends back at some point. Um, but yeah, like I, there's not a lot to really hate on this episode because I think the writing was fantastic and I think the actors did a great job and I just can shade Guggenheim. So yeah. <laughs> I just like I have to give him a compliment. Damn it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I can, I can say like, you know, you're directing <laughs> that, that Nate Zari makeout was unnecessary and uncalled for. <laughs> It was. I completely agree. <laughs> Take it back. It didn't go on for too long. I felt like, you know, back in middle school, you're just like, God, stop kissing. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> That's how I felt watching Nate and Zari because it was like from different angles. And I'm like, this is just yeah. too much. <laughs> There's like a lot going on here and I don't like any of it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. And that's part of why, like, narratively, I got why they brought Zario 1.0 back but at the same time my biggest thing was taking like leaving Zari 2.0 out for most of the episode yeah, yeah. and then it almost felt like okay, part of the reason of why yeah I did too and part of like the reason it felt like part of the reason why Zari 1.0 is back was so that like they could bring her back with Nate because it was like this the the music swelled and they had the like, reunion and yeah. it was like ridiculous i'm like what is this go from like zari and constantine in the episode before to like nate and zari it was just like cold bucket of water it was like 20 (laughs) steps back it's terrible um so i that's like my only i think it was like my biggest pet peeve is like i wanted zari 2.0 and i didn't see the point of like the excessive nate zari will find each other type moments that they think that they that they wrote but they didn't (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that either. And I feel like I, I like Nate a lot as ultimate buds with Behrad. And I like actually like that Behrad pointed that out. Like, it's weird that you're kissing my sister, who was basically me in the other timeline. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Charlie not just standing up to her sisters. I guess they just needed a break from getting to that storyline. <laughs> but it's just like, come on, Charlie, you've come this far. <laughs> um, yeah, those are like the biggest yeah, things. The prep was, was kind of perfect. kind of sad, or I guess disappointing that not only was she was like legends must stay in the bubble, but also you know, of course she sees what's going on with the people in the world, and you know only eating mush and living in this very like gray toned yeah. life and she's like I'm okay with that yeah. like I would have gotten more if it had been like she had made the deal with her sisters and then 
was maybe trying to also get them out while one of her sisters tried to keep them in so that they wouldn't cause trouble to their fate world that they had going on because they wanted to keep it that way. Seems but very, guess, like, extreme. Guess, yeah, it really was. It's like we took away all your free will. <laughs> yeah. Like, before, there was there was some free will, but the fates were just, like, you know, deciding, you know, how long people, the natural flow of the lifespan of different people. But now it's like, no one has any freedom whatsoever. You are all the same. You will all stay in this little box, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. I feel like it wasn't like that before she stole the loom. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, like, my only thing is, like, maybe they're, they're doing now. it now, yeah, because they don't want it to happen again. So I guess yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, that is all. And it wasn't now. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was not very much to like what's going on. No, uh, yeah. But I agree. Um, like, for me, I guess my question is, I... I didn't really understand the mechanics of Zari 1.0 emerging from the air totem and possessing Zari 2.0's body. Because I was like, is this written in the script? Like, did like the little the, automatic computer? I um, saw on something that, you know, it was because Nate touched the air totem and, and just Nate pulled out that soulmate energy full. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> See? So I hate that even more. Yeah, so so the Nate, the Nate soulmate, Nate soulmate-ness, uh, jumped over the rules, the mechanics of the show world, and made Zari 1.0 come out. Right. Um, and then that, whatever, you know, like, and that should, should have caused a whole breakdown in the automatic script writing process. Like, no one's checking it, whatever. It makes the whole world, the whole world, fake world, even faker. So I don't like that. Um, and then also, uh, while I understand, y'all understanding Charlie, because, um, yes, I do think, you know, like, yeah, she wants her friend to live, you know, she doesn't want her sisters to, like, her sister's already one, so she's just trying to hold on to the one thing. I, I just feel like the show was calling the, uh, Charlie out on, like, but you used to be, you're a free spirit, you're the, re- the rebeller, you're the one who yeah. broke the loom in the first place, and now you're not like that. They called it out, but, like, I don't feel like they set up enough either way. Like, they didn't set up enough of why Charlie did it in the first place, like, why she's a rebel to begin with. Like, that's literally her character. But we didn't, yeah. like, the, her origin was, like, two minutes long. And mm-hmm. then for her to flip, you know, because she's flipped for, like, the last two episodes or so. That's been, it's been kind of a flip. And so I don't feel like they, they earned that either. So I feel like they just put the bare minimum with Charlie. They're just like, okay, good job. Here you go. Um, and I don't like that either. I wish they would put as much effort into Charlie as they yeah, that's true. Like they gave example. her a story, but they didn't expand on it. Like it's it wasn't driven by her. Mm-hmm. You guys probably added on like after the fact, like they like do this wacky character named Charlie who's rebellious, and then they attack on. But she's secretly a fate, you know. After <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't really <laughs> understand, like, because I don't think that in the beginning of the worlds or whatever, when the fates were running, you know, their loom, that it was this like repressive state, right? You know, and if it was, then we got no kind of background of that from Charlie, so. Right, right. So, yeah, just weirdness around there. So, yeah, the, and, and of course, I'm with you both that we, uh, rebel against Nate and Zari. <laughs> we do not like their losses. <laughs> we are Constantine, like, where's my Zari? And Bayrod. Oh, this is, 
more of the same. Um, and it's also kind of based on the interview and not based on the episode. But I, I saw, I think it was Phil, maybe. I don't know if it was Margaret or Phil. One of those dudes said that, like, they've set up throughout the season that um, Zari 1.0 and Bayrod cannot coexist. And I'm like, I don't feel like you set that up. What? Like, just because, yeah, just because he died in one timeline does not mean, and then you randomly killed him off in a second timeline when she showed up. That was you setting up that they can't coexist. Now, like, there are literally infinite numbers of timelines. You could have, you could pick any other timeline, not just these two. <laughs> Why are you lying to me? So, I don't like that. I don't like what they're doing in that. And also, when Bayron's like, it turns out that I always die. I'm like, again, you've died two times. Two times out of infinity. <laughs> there are infinity times for you not to die. So, yeah. Yeah, he did act like they relived this moment several times, and every time he died. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you haven't even tried it, like, 50 times, like that one episode where, um, where XS, you know, uh, where Nora oh, yeah. was trying to save everyone. She's like, ah, every time they die. I was like, well, she did it 50 times. She can say that. You did it twice. So, <laughs> that's all. Um, feedback from Suara again, because no one else loves us. No one else loves either of these shows except for Suara. That's why we love him. Um, Suara says, Legends, oh my god, Legends. The show is amazing. The best of DCTV, period. This episode almost effortlessly had every character stand out, but especially our Persian queen, Zari, who led the Legends and basically saved the day. And now we have both Zaris. I wouldn't be too excited about that because I don't think they're saying. Um, he says that moment when Charlie split her thread in two was everything. I'm so happy that we get to have the two of them both in the real world for however long. Well, I'd love to have both on the ship for the rest of the show. I know that's likely not feasible for a number of reasons. Number one, being tall and needing to play multiple versions of herself every episode. So I see one of two things happening. The first of which I think I prefer. One, the Zaris will fuse back together at the end of the season with Zari 3.0 being a balance between both of herself. Or two, Zari 2.0 and Behrad simply go home and Zari 1.0 stays on the ship. I really hope it's option one because I love Zari 2.0 and how far she's come in her character development, so I want her to continue that as the fully realized Zari 3.0. This episode was, uh, this episode as a whole was fantastic. I hate that Guggenheim directed, however, I will commend him and the writers, actors, especially Tala, Maisie, and Olivia, on a job well done. I loved how they made fun of the various shows, especially with Star Trek, which had me rolling with laughter. And this is definitely one of the, my favorite episodes of Legends. Can't wait for the finale, but also sad it's ending. I will add that I loved when, I don't know who said it, it was like Lord and Lady Tarazi. I was like, yes, bring it on. <laughs> Do we have <laughs> predictions? I mean, my prediction was basically the same as Swire. I mean, Mary talked about this, that, um, you know, Charlie split the thread at the end of the episode. But in the trailer, you can see, like, a thread being fused back together. And I think that's obviously, like, Zari's thread. So who knows, like, what part of the episode will happen. But they are going to get fused back together. And I I do feel like instead of, like, Zari 1.0 or in 2.0, it's going to be, like, you know, 1.5 or Zari 3.0, which has both of their memories and experiences, a little bit of both of them. And I can just only hope that the one that uh, personality that, likes Nate, that part is not <laughs> fused together. <laughs> I don't want that to continue on in 3.0. Um, we all have, you know, but all you can all see, we fun. have one track minds when it comes yeah. to who's sorry. <laughs> I have, I have like two. I feel like if, if the crowd is staying on. Sorry and Nate, and I'm like, why? Exactly. I'm like, you're yeah. I feel like if the crowd is staying on, 
hopefully for the next season, then we can just do Nate and Dehad and have Zari be free. <laughs> I support that. I support that. Yeah. I also, I also hope, um, I, I don't know if I really want the threads to connect because I, I kind of, it makes it kind of sad, but I guess we wouldn't have Zari 1.0 otherwise. So eh, I guess threads connecting is fine. Um, but I, as long as we keep Azari and Bayrod, so just like bare minimum, I want both Bayrod and Azari. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. do we have a lady with gumption of the week? Zari. Is yeah. it Zari? I, I think yeah. it's Zari. <laughs> <laughs> because of her, um, you know, the fact that she was like the key driver in the episode that woke up the legends and also woke up the rest of the world with her speech at the end. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's gotta be Zari. Mm-hmm. I agree. Four for you, Zari. You go. Zari, Zari. Zari Tarazi. Eight, eight for you, Zari, because there's two of you. <laughs> Close out the episode. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Ladies of Gumption. Once again, um, you can find us at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, or email us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com. Um, thank you, and good time of day for you. <laughs> Bye. Yes. Bye. <laughs>